Oh, goodness. Well, good morning. And uh, welcome to Springbrook Community Church. We are so glad that you are with us. I mean that. (laughs) I am really glad that you are with us this morning. It is so exciting for me when we are able to get together and to celebrate um, this morning together. I think it is, I know, we had communion, and this is just a great time um, for us to focus on God and to be encouraged. And uh, it's really good for us all to be together. I'm glad you're here this morning. We have four daughters in our house, and so we've got, uh, we, I like to visit one when we uh, go up to uh, Wisconsin. I'll visit Katie, or I like to go out to see Mallory. I'll take the train out to see her. And then I've got Natalie that's over at uh, Trinity, and so she plays in the orchestra, and we like to go see her. And I've got Jennifer. It's got a new apartment uh, down south, and so we like to go down and visit her uh, in East Dundee. And I love doing things by myself with the kids, or Carol and I are just the kids. It's fun to do things with the kids one-on-one. But there's something about when all the kids come home together, whether it's Thanksgiving or a birthday, and we all get to sit around the table together. There's just something about coming together that is cause for celebration. And I think that's kind of the way it is for me with the church, with the body of Christ. I love meeting people one-on-one. I like getting together with guys for coffee and working through spiritual issues. And I love small groups and I love serving in ministry. Uh, But there's something about when we come together on Sunday morning that is just uh, incredible. This is what we've been designed to do. It's not an either or. It's a both and. And so there's something about when we come together as the larger body of Christ uh, that is such uh, an encouraging thing. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, Paul writes this, that the Father puts all things under his feet. Speaking of Jesus, he puts him over all things, the church, which is the body, and the fullness of him dwells in them. The fullness of the body of Christ indwells our local body of Christ is Springbrook. It's a great mystery. It's a miracle. And to sit back and just watch how God pulls all the pieces together and how he's knit us together is something that is really exciting. We're part of the body of Christ. With all the other Christians in the world, but this local body of Christ is Springbrook. You are part of what God has for this community in terms of helping people to understand who Jesus is, about how to grow in their faith, and what it means to be connected to a local church. Paul tells Titus in uh, Titus chapter 1, this is why I'm going to leave you in Crete. I'm going to leave you there that you might put what remains in order together, that you might gather the believers together, and that you would get things in order, and then you would appoint elders over the local church in every single town. And so the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. He indwells in us. Together we make up the body. And God has ordained that elders oversee the local church. Christ is the head. Elders oversee it. And we are the body of Christ as we work together to build it up and to be an effective witness in our community and to bring uh, glory to God. The Apostle Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you brought a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes about how this issue of being a part of the body of Christ and how we work together, how all these things kind of come together. Paul's just finished teaching about communion, just like we took communion this morning. And so he's been teaching on communion. He talks about what does it mean for us to come together as the body of Christ to celebrate that. And then he moves into teaching about what does it mean as the body of Christ to use our spiritual gifts together. 
He says, beginning in verse 1 in chapter 12, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The NIV and the King James Version translate that as ignorant. (laughs) About spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. If there's things that you don't know, you need to know. If you've never heard this before, you need to know this. This is important. About spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that once you were pagans and somehow or another you were influenced and you were led astray to mute idols. And he says, therefore, I tell you, no one who is speaking by the spirit says Jesus can be cursed. What he's saying is, is that once you were far from God, you were a pagan, but you no longer are. Now you're a believer. Now you're a part of this body of Christ. And as a result, or therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is external in the life of somebody that does not have a relationship with Christ. As you read through the book of Genesis, it opens up with the Spirit of God hovering over the water. We've got God making man in our image. And and then we see that the Father would send the Son down to earth and that he would go back up to earth. Jesus has not been created as of something from this earth. He was with God, came down. And went back up. So we serve a triune God that exists as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says that uh, Jesus writes this, No one comes to me unless the Father draws him to himself. And so the Spirit of God is external in the life of a non-believer, working and drawing them into a relationship with Christ until a person comes to understand their need and ask Jesus Christ to come in to their life, to be their Lord, to be their Savior. And so no one comes to the Father, or no one comes to the Son unless the Father draws him. Jesus is Lord. Nobody can say that except by the Holy Spirit. As he continues into verse 4, he says this, as a result of being a believer, you also have been given spiritual gifts. There's different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but it is the same Lord that we are serving. There are different kinds of workings, but it is the same God who works all of them together in men. And so we have the Spirit of God that is drawing people into a relationship with His Son, that is giving them spiritual gifts. We have the same Lord that we are serving as we come together under the headship of Jesus Christ as Lord and serve Him. And then we have the Father that is working out His plan to accomplish his purposes. James would write, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask the Father who will generously give. And so the Father holds the plan together as we serve our Lord Jesus Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit. As you move into verse 7, it says, to each one of you as a believer, if you have a relationship with Christ, each one of you has been given this manifestation of the Spirit. For what reason? For the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another the gift of the Spirit, another the gift of healing. And so Paul goes on to mention several gifts. This is not a comprehensive list. As you read through Romans and other chapters in the Bible, you see that um, there are gifts mentioned all throughout Scripture. At Springbrook, we use a spiritual gifts inventory that identifies 30 spiritual gifts. I've seen some gifts that have identified six, some nine, some 12, some 24. In Springbrook, we have a comprehensive view of spiritual gifts as we look through Scripture. But Paul says that these all work together in verse 11. These all work together. They work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives to each one just as he determines. And so the Spirit is handing these gifts out as he sees fit 
to accomplish God's plan. As you move into verse 12, it says that the body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and through all of its parts, they are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we are baptized by one spirit into the body. Whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, we're all given one spirit to drink of. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. The foot shall not say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. That's not true. The ear should not say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That's not true. If the whole body were an eye, what would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged all the parts of the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? It would be pretty awkward to have a body made up of all hands, wouldn't it? Or all feet, or all eyes. Paul's talking about the fact that we are all uniquely created in God's image with his plan and his purpose laid out for us. And he gives us each different spiritual gifts and all those gifts work itself out to accomplish his plans. As you move into the rest of the verses in 21, he goes on to talk about the rest of these body parts as they kind of relate to one another. And in verse 24, he says, while our or our presentable parts need no special treatment. God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to those parts that it, that it lacked so that there should be no division in the body, but that the body should have equal concern for each other. If one suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Every single one of us as believers in Christ plays a part and plays a role in what God wants to accomplish in our church and in this community. And God in his uh, sovereignty has put churches in different towns. There's different churches and all of our churches are working together, hopefully for the cause of Christ. There's different churches in Huntley. There's different churches in Algonquin. There's churches all across the globe as a part of the larger body of Christ, but God has ordained that this church be here and that we come together to be a part of his plan for reaching people in our community for Christ. And so God has a plan and a purpose for us individually and collectively as we come together to be a part of what he has created us to be. You are the body of Christ. Verse uh, First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty seven says this: You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Who is the you? You are a part of this body of Christ as believers. God has brought you to be a part of this local body of Christ, and we celebrate that. And as we use our gifts, as Paul identified, and we and we encourage one another, and we serve others, this church is made stronger, and we have an opportunity to have an effective witness in our community for Christ and for God's glory. We are the body of Christ and individually made members of it. And so there's two parts to that. There's the individually and the members, right? It's a collective whole that we're a part of, but we're also individuals. And I think culturally we have the individual part down. (laughs) I think uh, members of it, not so much. I think, you know, I think as I'm talking to people as they're looking for a local church and what they're looking for, typically people are looking for something that they need. They're not thinking about what are my spiritual gifts and how can I come in and be a part of this and make this church stronger? I think most people are thinking about 
their needs and they think from an individual perspective about what they're looking for. Not so much what it means to be a part of a local body of Christ. But Paul writes that when we come together under the headship of Christ and the direction of our elders, we become one. And so all of these individual little parts, instead of being individuals and and doing their own thing, are now all part of one local body of Christ under the headship of the church and and the elders are pointed over it. We are the body of Christ. The church is not a building. We have a building. God's blessed us with a building. It's a great tool for reaching our community. It's a great resource to see people in here doing ministry, but we are the church that have a relationship with Christ that God has called to himself and knitted together. You are the body of Christ. If you looked at the beginning of that verse in Corinthians 12:1, Paul says this regarding spiritual gifts. I do not want you to be uninformed. And so we have a lot of conversations about how to have a relationship with Christ. People will talk about God a lot. They'll talk about Jesus a lot. We'll talk about baptism as a part of identifying ourselves with Christ. We talk about membership as a part of being a member of the local body of Christ. I get a lot of times questions about people about why become a member. Well, because being a member identifies you with this local body of Christ. When I get baptized, it doesn't get me into heaven. I'm married. I've got a ring. It identifies me as being married. It doesn't make me married. If I take it off, I'm I'm still married. So baptism identifies us with Christ in the same way that membership identifies us with being a part of a local body of Christ. It's a biblical thing to be become a member of a local church. And then as we have conversations with people about growth and spiritual gifts is one of those things that Paul wants to make sure that we are not uninformed about. Spiritual gifts are a priority for Paul. In fact, without spiritual gifts, without our ability to work together, the church will not be built up. The church cannot be all it can be for bringing glory to God and being an effective witness in our church. And so Paul says, this is a critical topic for you to understand. You need to know your spiritual gifts. It's critical. I do not want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant, as some of the translations uh, would have that. And what he's saying is, is there's, I, I don't want you to not know what you need to know. There's some things about spiritual gifts that you need to know. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been given a spiritual gift. How many of you think you have a spiritual gift? <laughs> if you are a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You know, it's interesting because we'll have conversations about God in our culture. We'll have conversations about Jesus. But I have never come up to somebody and have them having some kind of a dialogue about their spiritual gifts. <laughs> you know, we'll engage our culture. You know, we'll talk with them about God. We'll talk with them about Jesus. But, you know, I think that's kind of a cultural thing is we engage our culture with talking about God and about Jesus, that's something that is outside the body of Christ. We're trying, to, we're trying to allow God to use us to bring people in. But within the body of Christ, we should be talking about our spiritual gifts and how do we train them and how do we use them and how do we work together to accomplish all that God has for us. And so many times we get people in the church and we're still talking about Jesus and we're talking about God. It's important. But as believers, we need to challenge each other as Paul did to say, I don't want you to be uninformed about your spiritual gift. You need to know your spiritual gift. It is important. And we have the Holy Spirit that is working through all these conversations. And I think sometimes talking about spiritual gifts can, uh, can be a little bit complicated. Talking about you know, things like money can be a little bit complicated too. I've got some uh, money in my pocket. Does anybody want it? Got some money? Who wants it? Who said yeah? 
Okay, this one's closer, so I'm going to go here. Okay, you ready? Yes. Okay. There. How much is it? Huh? How much is it? I wanted a You wanted a bill? That's 12 cents. What's wrong with 12 cents? Doesn't have, it's money though, right? So it's money. When I was a kid, don't ask me why, my mom signed me up with all the old ladies in the neighborhood to mow grass for 50 cents a yard. 50 cents! 12 cents to me was a lot of money when I was a kid, right? And so depending upon your age, you know, 12 cents is a lot of money. You want some money? You don't want money. <laughs> but you might give you some money. Are you ready? You want that? It's a dollar. You're welcome. I would appreciate it if somebody gave me a dollar. So the value that you have with 12 cents versus a dollar, it's still kind of low. How about this? Would you like my wallet? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to give you my wallet. Right. You want it? Yeah. Okay. Ho, ho, ho. No. I'm entrusting you with my wallet. I'm giving, I'm not just giving you, I'm entrusting you with my wallet. I'm giving you my, my, my wallet. Okay. All right. There's value associated with my wallet. It's still got money in it. It's actually got nothing in it, but you can still have it. There's no money in it. And so there's value of 12 cents versus a dollar versus our money. And I think when we talk about money, sometimes people get confused about the value of money. And I think when we talk about spiritual gifts, we, we, can, we cannot understand that. I can say spiritual gifts. Yeah, I've heard that. It sounds familiar. And I think sometimes people treat spiritual gifts like they do 12 cents. And I think sometimes people treat spiritual gifts like a dollar. A spiritual gift is like a wallet. God has entrusted you with a spiritual gift in a sense that we don't take it lightly. There's a difference between just giving somebody money and entrusting them with a spiritual gift. The difference between whether it's just given and receiving is whether it's entrusted and accepted. You know, we were talking about this in my men's small group Saturday morning about being entrusted with something. And with that entrustment comes a sense of responsibility. He's responsible for my wallet. <laughs> Getting that back. And so, and so God has entrusted us with a spiritual gift. And I think about all the spiritual gifts. I tell you, I, I love watching our church just as all these spiritual gifts come together and serve together as people use their spiritual gifts. It is just fabulous to watch. You know, I love our cutting team. I watched the Borks out on the cutting team, and, and Carolyn was out there, and, uh, and um, oh gosh, who else was there? Garner. Um, Karen Garner was out there. So I like watching our I'd love to work on the facilities team. And so every time I drive by, I feel guilty. You know, they're out there mowing, and I'm driving by. I thought, oh, wow, I'd love to go work out there. And I love our first impressions team. I love standing by the door and greeting people and talking to people and getting to know people. I would love to work on, this, on that first impressions team and just kind of help people get connected. And I remember, you know, when we were talking through, you know, Justin's leaving and, and, uh, and we were talking to uh, Emily about that position. Man, I would love to work with our kids. I have a heart for this next generation of kids. That's the church. We've got a solid children's ministry. We've got some great ministry for adults. But that we've got to connect with that next generation. And that high school ministry is just critical. And so I looked at that. I think, man, I would love to serve in children's ministry. You know, I love missions. I like going to foreign missions trips. I, like, I love ministry. How many of them can I do? <laughs> we have to pick one, right? And so we use our spiritual gifts to help us figure out where God. It's not any good if everybody's a hand. I can't run around doing all the ministries. That's like having a body with all hands. We need hands and we need feet and we work together. And so 
I have a role at Springbrook. I have a spiritual gift and God uses that just like he uses all the other gifts. They're all important. You can't take one of them away or the body becomes weaker. If you cut your hand off, yeah, you still got everything else, but you're weaker. So we need everybody working together to accomplish God's plan. If we're going to be unified and whole and be able to fulfill God's destiny for us as a church, his plan for us as a, as a church. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 11 and 12, it says this. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, you know, evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to do what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. For the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. And so my role, I love having this job description. I worked in healthcare for 15 years before ministry. And every time I moved a job, I got a different job description. I was, you know, I was always moving around. I love this because this is my job description. This is where my giftedness is. And this is how God has set me apart is, is to be one that is equipping saints for the work of ministry so that this church can be built up. And so our pastoral staff and Dan and I and our elders and our ministry team leaders, we have roles for helping people to be equipped so that the body of Christ can be built up. I was talking to a guy once about what, just the kind of the role as a pastor. What's a pastor do? He goes, you guys just work on Sunday, right? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. Follow me around. <laughs> you know, it, it's just, I, it, it, I have a responsibility for equipping the saints for ministry. It's, it's, it's so I have to help people to get in the game. I'm in the game, and I like to serve in the game, but ultimately my role is to make sure that the saints are equipped for the work of ministry. Who are the saints? The believers. You are part of a royal priesthood. You have been set apart for God's purpose, and it's our responsibility to make sure that you understand how to work in ministry effectively, to equip you and to enable you so that this body of Christ can be built up until we all attain the unity of faith and, uh, and understand the, fully the Son of God. In our gifts class, we look at what the Bible says about every single gift. And so this is a gift that would relate to shepherding and, and the pastoral ministry. We've got, we've got biblical passages for every single spiritual gift in, in Scripture. And that's one of the things that's unique about our spiritual gifts instrument is, is that we don't just look at gifts, but we, we talk to people about how to look at passages that give them biblical examples for what their spiritual gift looks like. And then we talk about what does that look like in the context of our local body of Christ. How do you shepherd and use your gifts to make sure that this body of Christ is built up and made strong? And so as we think about spiritual gifts, there's two aspects. There's two sides of the same coin, if you will. You know, there's the, there's the role that God plays in it, and then there's our responsibility. There's God's role and our responsibility. I want to talk just briefly about God's role in this plan. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, 11 says this, all these gifts, all the gifts that we have are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so God's is a part of God's sovereign, divine plan. The Holy Spirit will appoint to us those gifts that he wants us to have. To apportion means to divide them up, to allocate them, to assign them. To somebody, So we have been assigned a gift. He's given you one and, and we need to figure out what, you know, what that gift is. And so you have a spiritual gift. And so if you don't know what it is, you have to figure out what it is. And so we, our class is designed to help you think through how's God wired me. It looks at our ministry experience. It looks at things that you're passionate about. It talks about how God's wired you. And so we help people to identify what their spiritual gift is. You know, if you want some muscles, you got to go to the gym. 
I think a lot of times people, they don't want to, they don't want to go to the gym. You have to, you have to discipline yourself to learn your spiritual gift. Then you have to train it and we have to equip it and we have to empower it to be what God wants it to be in, in this local body of Christ. You know, I really thought I had this gift. I don't want that gift or I wish I was more like him. You know, I hear more times the comparison that we have between people. Don't compare yourself to your friends. As you look around, as you look around at the people around you, don't compare yourself to others. God has a specific plan for you and you need to find out what that good and perfect plan is by knowing what your spiritual gift is. It's your spiritual job description. It helps you understand where you fit in with the larger body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, it says this, We are God's workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for our good works. I'm sorry, that's Ephesians 2.10. Memory. Ephesians 2.8.9 says it's for by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. And so God has in his divine plan, by his grace being extended to us and by our faith being placed in him, we have been set apart. And we have been saved. And I love that passage. It's a passage that uh, when I first came around, it was like, wow, I don't have to earn my way into heaven. It's not by works so that no one can boast. God, through his grace, has set me apart. And I love God's grace. But God's grace doesn't stop there. And that's where the Ephesians 2.10 comes in. Because the rest of that passage says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so God just hasn't saved us through his grace, through faith. He has saved us because he has a plan for us, because we are his workmanship and because we have been created in him to do the good works, which God has prepared in advance that we should do. Before the creation of the world, before you were formed in the womb, God had a plan for you. He had good works for you to do. And as you unlock and understand your spiritual gift, that's where the power comes from. When you know how God's wired you and you know what your gift is, you find your sweet spot and then you're able to test and improve what God's will is for you. This issue of identifying your spiritual gift and how it works together to be a part of God's plan for this local church is important for you and important for our church Before there was time, God knew what each one of us was going to do. And he's given us a gift by the power of his spirit working in us. In Romans chapter 11, in uh, Romans chapter, verse 29, it says this about our spiritual gifts. The gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And so not only does God give you a spiritual gift, but it's not going anywhere. I'm not going to be sitting up here one day and then go, I think I'm going to start doing this. Or he's not going to give you the gift of leadership and all of a sudden take that away. And all of a sudden you don't know what to do. You don't know how to lead. He's not going to give somebody the gift of music and all of a sudden take that away and give them a different gift. And he's not just going to have me break out and go, hey, I think I'll go play a song. And so God has given us these spiritual gifts for his plans and for his purposes. And that gift is irrevocable. And so when you get a spiritual gift and you unlock it, you've got it for life. Now, your understanding of what that gift might be might change. There's 30 spiritual gifts. I've got 30 spiritual gifts in my pocket. And so you don't know what your spiritual gift is. And so you have to kind of figure out where your gift is. And so what happens is, as you are more involved in ministry, as you mature in your faith, as you start to talk to other people, and as you start to engage, and as soon as you become a part of the body of Christ and start interacting with people, you get more of a better idea, more confidence about what that gift is. I've been working with the spiritual gifts instrument that we've been using now for almost 15 years. And the first couple of times I took it, 
Well, this one was at the top, and then this one, and then this one. And then next time, and so these things have kind of started been moving around. Now, the 30 spiritual gifts, after the last 15 years, I've narrowed it down to five. I'm pretty confident that one of these five I'm, I'm typically operating in. And there's times when some gifts rise to the top more than the others. But in general, I've got a gift, and it's not going anywhere. And it's our responsibility to learn what that gift is so that we can train it up and use it to build up the body of Christ. And so God is the one that gives us gifts. He gives us gifts according to his plan, and he, he doesn't pull the rug out from underneath us and change it. His gifts are irrevocable. And every believer has at least one spiritual gift on the back of your outline. First Corinthians 7 says this. He's talking about the believers, and he's going to say, each one of you has your own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Each one of you has his own gift from God. You have one. If you don't know what it is, that's another issue. But you have a spiritual gift. If you have a relationship with Christ, you have a spiritual gift. And so we want to help people to unlock and understand the power of what their spiritual gift is. God has given every believer a spiritual gift. And so now what do we do? So God has gifted us. He hands those out. He, they're irrevocable. And, he's, and we know he's given every believer one. And so our responsibility, we've been entrusted with this gift Like I'm coming back from my wallet. God's given us a spiritual gift and we're going to give an account for how we use that. We have a responsibility to not neglect that gift that was in us. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is writing to Timothy and he talks about spiritual gifts and he says this. 1 Corinthians, come on, pop it up there. (laughs) 1 Timothy 4 says, do not neglect the gift that you have. Don't neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands upon you. Don't neglect the gift that you have. Our responsibility is to know what it is, to not neglect it, but to train it, to sharpen it, to get a tool out and use it. It's kind of like going to the gym. We should be utilized. We should understand what it is, and we should be using it and flexing our gift muscle. Under the headship of Christ and the authority of our elders, we use our spiritual gifts to build up this body of Christ. You know, one of my favorite parts of our spiritual gifts class is at the very end when people know what their gifts are. They, they, they've, they've discovered something new about themselves and they're excited and I get to pray for people as, they've under, as they understand this. And so these gifts are working under the authority of Christ as our head and our elder board and we use our gifts to shepherd them together to be a part of what God has for us in this local church. As each one has received a gift, we're to use it to serve one another. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, As each one of you has gotten a gift, you use it not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. A spiritual gift is not a Christmas present. <laughs> you get a Christmas present, what's the first thing you want to do? You go, go off and you use it. If it's a cell phone, ooh, i got a new cell phone. Here, you want to play with it? We don't hand our gifts away at Christmas to somebody else, right? And so spiritual gifts are a gift, but they're not like a Christmas present. They're not something that we get to keep for ourselves and just kind of disperse as we see fit. God has given us a spiritual gift for the purpose of serving others. As I walked through the children's ministry this morning, I saw men and women that have a heart for God that have different spiritual gifts and they're serving kids. Or as I've watched Emily and our leadership team with our youth ministry and as they use their spiritual gifts, they're serving the kids in ministry. As I've watched our first impressions team or our small group networks or our compassion ministry as it engages and, and works with our community and people in need, everybody's using their spiritual gifts not for their own benefit, but to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
And so we have a responsibility to share our gifts with others. The third responsibility that we have is to is to earnestly desire to know our gifts and to train them and use them. In the First uh, Corinthians fourteen one, we are to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophecy. You know what the most important command in the Bible is? The most important thing? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second one is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are to pursue love. That is our first priority. And then what does it mean to desire something? Your desire for something. I really want that. What does it mean to desire? Not that I want. It's like, hey, that looks good. To desire something means I have got to have this. I really want it. And we have to do that earnestly. Our responsibility is to know what our gift is, to desire to use it, to train it, and allow God to use it. There's an earnest desire that we should be pursuing to understand and utilize our spiritual gifts, especially so that you may prophesy. And not prophecy in a sense that our culture would want to try to define that. You know, as you look through the uh, uh, different church, different cults, uh, we've got some cults out there where the prophecy that was spoken in the Old Testament gets carried off into the New Testament, and then they still have modern-day prophets. There's still people writing words for God today. So prophecy in an Old Testament perspective was God's using people to speak for him, and so there was a prophetic word. And today, our prophetic word comes from Scripture. And so there's nothing new under the sun. We have everything that we need right here in Scripture. And so prophecy is, is not so much about speaking something new for God, but it is, it's, it's about making things known that are the truth about God with the intention of trying to influence and help people to understand more about who God is. And so prophecy is not a new word. It's, it's speaking the truth about God's word. Only, only God knows the future. You realize Jesus himself does not know when he's going to return. Only the Father does. Only God knows what's going to happen in the future. If you find yourself around anybody that's saying, hey, Jesus is coming back next month, run. If you find yourself around anybody that says, hey, Jesus is going to come back in this generation, run. If you have anybody that says, hey, I know what God's going to do tomorrow, run. That's not prophecy. Prophecy is speaking in the truth and love and helping people to understand God's words so that they can fulfill his plans for them in their life. And so that's our priority is to pursue love, or at least they desire the gifts and speak truth to people around us. And then the last responsibility I want to look at comes from John fifteen eight. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You know, we just finished up a James series recently, and James one twenty two is a verse that continues to stick out for me. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers. John 15 says, this is how you know who my disciples are. They're going to bear much fruit. And when you see somebody using their spiritual gifts in the context of the local body of Christ, fruit's born out. And so we have a responsibility not just to know our gifts, to study it and say, hey, this is what it is, but to use it in a way that the body of Christ is built up. Romans 12:2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what the will of God is, what his good, acceptable, and perfect will is. And so many people don't know what God has for them. They don't know what God's will is for their life because they don't know their spiritual gift. And so if you're wondering what God's will is for your life, look at your spiritual gift. It's your spiritual job description. It's how God's wired you 
as Ephesians 2.10 said, to do the work that God has prepared in advance for you to do. And so this transformation is a, is a process. And so we are continually refining our understanding of our spiritual gifts. We're constantly and continually growing towards Christ-likeness. Transformation is a process and it's our responsibility to take what we know and put it into practice. You know, I'll let you conduct your own survey here, but I want to encourage you to ask people these four questions next week. I've been doing this for quite some time. Uh, Just ask people um, if they know they're going to heaven. You know if you're going to heaven when you die? Statistically, it's been my experience that one out of ten people will say yes. Ninety percent of the people that I kind of engage in our culture do not know or are not sure. Who is Jesus to you? 10% 10% of the people that I talk with can give, you know, we'll talk about who Jesus is. 90% of the people that I talk to are not sure. Are you going to heaven? Most people are not sure. When I talk to believers, people that are mature in their faith, that go to church routinely, and I ask them what their spiritual gift is, 90% of the people I ask don't know. Or they guess they're just not sure. We have to know what our spiritual gift is. Paul warns us not to be misinformed. And so our spiritual gift class is designed to help people to uncover what their spiritual gift is. And so as a next step, I want to share with you an opportunity that you can sign up for now. So if you can put that next slide up, Jim. We have two spiritual gifts. There's a, we go through our spiritual gifts class, and we take three weeks to kind of process through what we just talked about this morning. And so if you have questions or if you want to know more about your spiritual gift and you want to be involved in a group discussion and you'd like to learn more about your spiritual gifts, the three-week class is going to start on September 23rd. It goes to 23rd, 30th, and 7th. Three weeks, it's from 7 to 8.30 p.m. on Wednesdays. But I also thought, as as, uh, Pastor Dan and I were talking about how do we mobilize people quickly, we thought it would really be a good idea if we had a class where we could kind of condense that and accelerate that. And so if you are a Christ follower and you've got some ministry experience and you've you've listened to our time together this morning and think, hey, I understand that. I want to know what my gift is. Then I've got a class that I'm going to, this will be the first time I've tried to do this quickly, but um, on Sunday, next Sunday from 1230 to 1.30, I'm going to pull people together. And we're going to talk briefly about spiritual gifts. I've got a couple of gifts instruments that we can look at. So for an hour, we're going to get together next Sunday. And I'm going to give you some homework to do. And then on Tuesday the 22nd, uh, from 7 to 9, we're going to come together. And we're going to kind of process through and talk about what you learned. And so um, we can do our spiritual gifts class at a minimum uh, in three hours. And so I've broken this accelerated class out over these two days. But I think a part of it just relies on remember. Only believers have spiritual gifts. And so if you have questions about a relationship with Christ or if you have questions about any things that we talked about this morning, I encourage you to sign up for that three-week class because we're going to spend a little bit more time helping you unpack that. And so on the bottom of your insert this morning, um, there's a place you indicate your interest there. And um, you can tear that off. And so um, I ran out of a little perforated paper. And so that thing's printed out so you can tear it off without losing any of your notes, hopefully. But uh, if you're interested in either one of those, um, just check that box. And this morning, as you leave the service, um, we have some baskets at the back. And so you can just drop those uh, in the basket, and um, I'll contact you early next week, and uh, we'll get you signed up for one of those classes. If you know your spiritual gift, and you're sitting there this morning and thinking, yeah, I knew all this, uh, Pastor Rich, then I want to encourage you to talk to me, because we need leaders at Springbrook. (laughs) 
We need people to get in the game that can help people to understand and, and we need to equip other leaders. And so if you've got a handle on this and you're not engaged in ministry somewhere or, or you're not a member of Springbrook and you're not quite sure where you fit in, I would love the opportunity to talk with you so that we can help you to fully understand and empower that spiritual gift. God has given every believer a spiritual gift for his plans and for his purposes. And, and it's our responsibility to make sure that people are equipped and empowered to be a part of what God wants to do in this community. That's where the power comes from, is being dependent on God through His Spirit working in us as we seek to be witnesses for Christ in this community and building disciples. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And I thank you for your call in our life. Uh, we don't have a relationship with your Son unless you've called us. And so, God, thank you for that. That is a gift in itself. I just pray, God, that you'd help us to be able to have a clear sense of your leading. I thank you for the spiritual gifts you've given us. And God, enable us and help us to use them uh, for your glory, God. May Springbrook be a place where people can come and learn and know about God and his plans uh, for them. And I just thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be a part of this local body of Christ. And we lift our church up to you, God, for your glory and for your purposes. Amen.